Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Monday. Welcome back from a White House Correspondents' Dinner weekend. We're going to get an update and a recap on all of the weekend's festivities. But more importantly, GOP Senator Chuck Grassley has a message to President Donald Trump. He says that he's going to cancel the tar- he would that the president should cancel tariffs or lose the USMCA NAFTA 2.0 trade deal. What does this mean as the high stakes trade talks continue? Plus, former Vice President Joe Biden ready to make a pitch to Rust Belt workers as a challenge to Trump. But can he get union workers on board? We have an all-star panel today, a jam-packed show, all of that, plus Greg from Gregory's Coffee. He's going to tell us about how the trade policies are impacting coffee beans. Plus, Neve Ellis joins us from the Hill newspaper. Uh, He covers all things Washington, and in particular, the Budget and Appropriations Committees. He's also a former reporter for the Jerusalem Post. Alex Wayne's also here. He's Bloomberg News White House editor. And Catherine Cifoletti, managing editor at Washington Life magazine. Before we get into all of that, though, busy, busy weekend for Washington. Still in congressional recess, but they're back now. This following the uh, festivities of what was a much smaller White House Correspondents' Dinner weekend. No, President Trump did not go. But Ron Chernow, who's a historian, he actually wrote the biography of former President Andrew Hamilton that then became the play, that Broadway play, Hamilton. Uh, He spoke. I liked it. I thought he hit the right notes. But we're going to play some of that for you coming up. Uh, We're also going to get a full recap uh, from my good friend, Catherine Cifoletti. She's managing editor at Washington Life magazine. More importantly, policy. Forget the personality for a second. A big, big, big headline this week, or today, rather, this morning. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley says that President Trump needs to cancel tariffs or lose USMCA, NAFTA 2.0. The Senate's senior Republican issuing an ultimatum to President Trump. And this, of course, as trade talks are continuing in Beijing this week. Uh, as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, they're headed to continue to negotiate uh, on U.S.-China trade talks. Now, Senator Grassley, who is chairman of the Finance Committee, is saying that unless there are tariffs uh, removed on steel and aluminum imports regarding USMCA, no deal. No deal. So while everybody was worried about 
whether or not Democrats would rally behind this in the House of Representatives. Some Dems say that it's not progressive enough. Now the president has trouble within his own party. Alex Wayne is the a senior White House editor for Bloomberg News. Neve Ellis covers all things budget and appropriations for The Hill newspaper. Alex, thanks for being here. Sure thing, man. So what do you make of this now that Senate or Chairman Grassley, heavy clout in the upper chamber, is saying get rid of the steel and aluminum tariffs or you're not getting a, a, what could be a, a pretty hefty part of your, of your legacy heading into the 2020 reelect? This is, uh, this is kind of an example of the, the tension that's always been there between Trump and the Republican Party on, on trade um, rearing its head again. Uh, the, the Republican Party was not a party of tariffs until Trump came on the scene and, and won the White House. Uh, Grassley and everybody else in that party uh, in Congress have been free trade guys for decades now. Uh, and so they, they were never wild about Trump's tariffs. He didn't go to Congress and ask them to approve the steel aluminum tariffs or the, uh, the, the trade war with China before he uh, embarked on those efforts. Uh, and so it's 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 not much of a surprise that, that Grassley is 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 opposed to it. It is a little bit of a surprise that he would threaten to to not vote for or hold up uh, USMCA. And USMCA. I mean, let let's just go through Neve Ellis, a, a reporter at the Hill newspaper. All of the backstory here, Iowa, the state in which Chairman Grassley represents, so crucial to the president's agricultural coalition so crucial to the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 deal steel and aluminum commodities in particular the business community as Alex just pointed out has been rallying against these steel and aluminum uh, uh, tariffs for for so long and in fact that's why Steve Bannon remember him Steve Bannon last week in New York City at the St. Regis nice hotel by the way at the St. Steve Bannon at the St. Regis, saying that the business community is is doing the work of China by going against these tariffs and advocating that President Trump not listen to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, but Peter Navarro. So is USMCA now dead, Neve Ellis? Well, this is the interesting thing about this whole situation is that uh, you know the Republican Party really doesn't like tariffs, but Chuck Grassley in that same op-ed in which he was saying, you know, I'm not going to move this deal forward, also kind of endorsed the tariffs that are currently on China. He said, you know what, I'm glad the tariffs on China are there because I've seen the light and I think that President Trump had a point that it's pressuring them. What he's looking at with the Canada and Mexico trade deal, though, the NAFTA version 2.0, is that those tariffs, even in Trump's ideology of, like, let's pressure them with tariffs, what are they doing now, right? They already um, signed the deal with Trump. Now it's about all the countries passing them. And Grassley is feeling this at home. He's, it's, he's from Iowa. It's an agricultural state. Agricultural income is down because of the tariffs. But they got that big, they got that big uh, allocation from, from, uh, from the government. They had a, I don't want to call it a handout, but for lack of a better word. It was a handout. Yeah, it was a handout. That's exactly what it was. A big subsidy for agricultural. Subsidy. There it is. I knew well, it was something. I'll go further and call it welfare for farmers. Wow. And, that, and that's what war- farmers we are calling it, too. Here. You know, there are all these people that are getting up and saying, you know, we don't, we don't want the government to come and subsidize our industry this way. And we want to be able to actually just sell our products. Um, yeah. so, so it's not nearly enough. It doesn't cover it. And, and their incomes are down um, for, in, in the worst way for, since 2016. 
Alex Wayne is Bloomberg News White House editor. Neve Ellis covers budget and appropriations for the Hill. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked about this particular issue and the fate of USMCA at the White House earlier today. Here she is. Take a listen. This is a historic trade deal that benefits Americans across the board, particularly uh, those in our farming community and a number of other industries. It would be absurd for Congress not to push forward and pass uh, this deal that really benefits American workers um, and certainly is much better than the deal that we've had uh, through NAFTA over the last several years. All right, we talked about the policy, and in particular steel and aluminum and all of the various business interests that are against these tariffs. But now let's talk about the politics, because, Alex, this is a political disaster for this White House if, if, if they don't pass a NAFTA 2.0. The president campaigned in the heartland, in flyover country, by saying he was going to get rid of NAFTA. And there are even some within the party that say this is not – that this is just nafta light. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, this gives ammunition to Democrats, no, who are especially people like Senators Warren and Sanders, who are saying that this deal does, is, is NAFTA light and that essentially this does not go nearly as progressive as it should. So by not passing this, when he goes to those campaign rallies in, in Wisconsin and Michigan, this could be a political risk. Yeah, and he's the president is super focused right now on accomplishing uh, campaign promises. Uh, that's what the shutdown over the wall was all about. So uh, repealing NAFTA was a promise. He hasn't done it. He's got to convince House Democrats to vote for this thing uh, to to get it to get it passed. Uh, and House Democrats are uh, seem to be poised to extract a price. And now he's got to convince uh, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley. Panel stays. Much more on the politics and policy, plus what it all means for the 2020 presidential. Alex Wayne, Neve Ellis. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. This is as good a time as any to take stock and rededicate yourself to the highest standards of journalistic integrity and accuracy. Donald J. Trump is not the first and won't be the last American president to create jitters about the First Amendment. So be humble, be skeptical. And beware of being infected by the very things you're fighting against. That was Ron Chernow at the Washington, uh, cor- at the White House Correspondents' Dinner on Saturday night at the Washington Hilton. He, of course, is the famed historian, and his message: be humble, be humble. He wrote uh, many great historical works, including a, a, a biography on former President Hamilton, which ended up becoming a Broadway play. I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought he took some, you know, some jabs at the president, uh, also took some jabs at the media, and really captured, I think, the moment of discourse here in the United States. It played well in the room, that I will say. Last year was a bit more, how do I put this, uncomfortable. Alex Wayne is Bloomberg News White House editor. He's with me. Uh, for the hour, as is Neve Ellis. He covers all things budget and appropriations for the Hill. 
Alex, you were at the dinner. What did you think of uh, of the speech and the festivities? Uh, I thought uh, I thought Chernow and uh, and the White House Correspondents Association President Olivia Knox both did really well. They, did, um, yeah. they both delivered uh, nice speeches that made the points that they should have made. Yeah, I thought I thought it, and you know the thing about Chernow was funny. It was like uh, it was like having a comedian there who was um, also smart and taught you stuff. Right, and I was like, gosh, I wish my history teachers when I was yeah. a kid were this good, you know. Uh, but it was good. It was good. He actually, you know, he also talked about all the different presidents' relationships with the media and how they all brought their personalities uh, to to it. And, and I thought this was interesting. Eleanor Roosevelt, the former first lady, holding uh, panel discussions with all female journalists, uh, and that forced a lot of 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 newspapers at the time to hire female journalists because she was giving access and, and a new. Uh, a new window into into government. Catherine Tripoletti had a big weekend. She joins us on the Bloomberg 99.1 telephone line. Uh, she is managing editor at Washington Life magazine. Catherine, I bumped into you a couple times over the weekend. I mean, you were everywhere. I try. I try. It, it's challenging to uh, bounce around town, but I think <laughs> it was a pretty successful weekend all in all. all right, a little so tired so- today, but... Could but you're surviving. You're surviving and thriving. Recap the weekend for us. What did you notice this year that was different from years past, and what were the spotted? Who did you see? Who did you run into? Well, of course, you know, every year seems to be getting a little more low wattage. But I think that's to be expected, and I think, you know, based on the climate that we're in, it might be for the best. Um, Olivier Knox, I had a chance to talk to him on, on Thursday night, and he really drove home the point that, this is about journalists, and now more than ever, we need to support them. And, you know, with having the celebrities in and out and the buzz being about them, it does distract a little bit from what is the main point of uh, the dinner. So, um, you know, that being said, there were definitely less celebrities than last year and in years past when we had the Obama administration just trying huge names. Uh, we did get to ch- get a chance to see Jay Leno, which is always fun. Yeah, Jay was uh, at, at Tammy the, Haddad's brunch, right? Exactly, at the Garden Brunch. And um, he made a funny little joke about how, you know, the the planners might have been scraping at the bottom of the barrel when they asked him <laughs> to be I there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the elephant in the room. But it's always good to see him. And, uh, you know, a lot of funny little appearances like i don't know if anyone saw the fiji water girl i did uh, wait this is kind of funny Catherine. so here it was first let's let's start with jay because that was really though a a highlight of the weekend and he gave away a car at uh the garden brunch which is this big brunch here in washington dc and so he gave away a car to a veteran and i thought that was amazing i mean it really was a, a magnificent moment to see him honor a veteran and 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 really i think as you alluded to, so much of the pomp and circumstance and the, the back and forth that takes away from the, the best that our industry uh, as journalists has to offer uh, gets lost. But it didn't get lost in that moment. It didn't get lost at that brunch. And then I'm at the CBS pre-party, and I, you were there. I see you. And all of a sudden, I'm like, that's the Fiji water girl. And there she was. And it was kind of random. It was random. But refreshing, uh, just because, Good you know, it, was, it created a little buzz uh, that was, 
you know, unlike years past. So I thought that was a funny addition. Okay, before I let you go, I know you're busy, but uh, I thought this was interesting in the sense that the administration, the Trump administration, had said no one's allowed to go to any of the parties. I saw Rudy Giuliani at the uh, Hill pre-party. I also saw him at the Garden Brunch. I saw I bumped into Kellyanne Conway. I saw Sean Spicer, though he's not previ- he's left the administration. So there were some Trump administration folks spotted around town. No, agreed. They they were out and about, which makes me think there had to have been some sort of conversation about that. But Kellyanne generally is super social. You know, we see her at charity events and um, yeah. small dinners around the city all the time. So. That didn't surprise me. I can't speak to Rudy Giuliani, though. That was, that was new for me. And Rod say. Rosenstein. Let's not forget about him. Oh, uh, he, can't forget about Rod. Yeah, no. can't forget about him. He was also spotted. All right, Catherine Trifoletti. She is the managing editor at Washington Life magazine. She knows everyone in town and can put it all into context for us. Thank you so much uh, for calling No problem. For and calling if you pick in. up our June issue, we'll have uh, – Pretty robust coverage of the weekend, so yes. look out for that. And follow them on social media as well as on their website. That's Catherine, Tri- Catherine Trifoletti, everybody. Uh, we appreciate that. Coming up, back to politics, and in particular, the 2020 presidential race. We'll have much more of that. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You are listening to Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash Enterprise Data to learn more. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. We're still behind him, and he's going through the process of vetting, and we'll see what happens through that process, and then hopefully it'll go up to Senate Banking Committee. No no change in, in our position. That was the president's senior economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, speaking earlier today at the White House in a gaggle of reporters, as it's known, uh, about Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore, who is nominated to the president's or to the Federal Reserve Board, but nominated by President Trump. Of course, Herman Cain, having now he's out. He was also a nomination. He's out. Uh, But Larry Kudlow laying out the politics of the Senate Banking Committee, Republican-controlled Senate Banking Committee, and they've got a lot of questions for for Mr. Moore. Congress is back in session, and in fact, uh, they have a cloture vote in the Senate about now. And meanwhile, breaking news, headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak. Rod Rosenstein, his resignation will be effective May 11th. That is May 11th, Rod Rosenstein uh, his 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 resignation becomes effective. Of course, he's the deputy attorney general. He submitted his letter of resignation uh, to President Trump, and he will have that resignation be effective on May 11th. As we mentioned earlier, he was spotted around town this weekend. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he ultimately ends up. Joining us for the hour, Alex Wayne. He is Bloomberg News White House editor. 
And Neve Ellis, first time on the program for Neve. He's budget and appropriations reporter for The Hill. We were talking in the break. I, I really want to be a fly on the wall tomorrow at the White House for Speaker Pelosi and President Trump. I mean, think about it. Last week, Speaker Pelosi has this conference call where she's, try- she's a political referee between her members, some of whom want President Trump impeached. And then tomorrow she heads to the White House to talk about infrastructure. Is there any chance, Alex, that infrastructure actually gets through? No. Really? Yeah, I mean Such that's an optimist, I'll, Alex. I know, I know. I, but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll go ahead and call it right now. This isn't going to this isn't going to happen. This is not going to happen uh before 2020. Um if Trump is reelected and Democrats uh keep the house, which would be a weird confluence of events, I think. Uh, then maybe we'll have something to talk about in 2021. But this isn't happening for the next two years. Yeah, and if you're hoping to be a fly in the wall, maybe you'll get lucky because the last couple times that they had meetings <laughs> like this, Trump just invited the cameras right in and had some of the most explosive interactions. It's like watching a political episode of Game of Thrones. Exactly, exactly. It's the talk of the town, the talk of the nation. Well, What's Nancy heated. Pelosi going? Is she going to clap back against Trump? Is she going to say something, you know, excite the Very base? Very meme-oriented. Very much so. But, but on policy, what matters? Well, you know, they're all saying that they want these very big investments. Trump's White House has proposed leveraging $200 million, a billion dollars into a trillion. And the Democrats say that's not realistic. Yeah, they're like throwing around numbers. Yeah, they're saying you need to put down real money and you need to show how it's paid for. And not only that, we care about uh, the environmental impact and we care about making sure there's minority representation, making sure that all of this stuff happens. So they're not really on the same page in terms of how to do this. Although I think maybe Democrats and President Trump could be on the same page. It's the rest of the White House that's not on the same right, page. Right. There's always there's like, that tension between Trump and the rest of his yeah, administration. <laughs> good report in Axios today about how Trump secretly wants to spend $2 trillion on infrastructure. <laughs> and, and he calls the $200 million plan Gary's plan, uh, referring to, 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 to Gary Cohen, his former national economic director. Ooh. Yeah, maybe they'll turn around and Trump Ooh. will just say, you know what, Chuck, Nancy, you got it. You know, that's <laughs> $2 trillion on the way. Don't, yeah. tell, don't tell the Freedom Caucus. All right, Larry Kudlow was actually asked about infrastructure in particular. And this is where, to both of your points, where President Trump's New York Republicanism background is really on full display to some extent, to some extent. But here's Larry Kudlow on infrastructure. Here he is. It'll be a good sit down. It'll be a good discussion. There are a lot of thoughts out there and we want to hear what they have to say about it and um, we'll react to that. But no, we're not we're not coming in with a blueprint. No. So in terms of they're they're having a meeting with no blueprint, they're having a meeting where the president right after the midterm elections, the president said, if you're going to talk about impeachment, then we're not going to to do this. And they are very much talking about impeachment, though likely that that doesn't really stand a chance. But the, the conversation is being had. And even beyond that, why would Speaker Pelosi, Alex, want to even broker a deal when every 20 – all of the 20 candidates on the presidential primary on the Democrat side all want infrastructure? Yeah, I, you know, I think they're sort of – each side is, is kind of humoring the other here. Uh, the infrastructure was one of Trump's campaign promises. Democrats uh, recognize that the country has infrastructure problems. You don't have to go very far uh, down a highway or to an airport to realize that. Uh, so there's there's demand for new infrastructure in the country, um, but I don't think either side really wants to do something with the other until until after 2020. All right, coming up, we have coffee talk, and in fact, the policy behind Gregory's Coffee. 
Gregory or Greg's Coffee, Gregory Zamfotis of Gregory of Greg's Coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, of Greg's Coffee joins us live in studio, and we're talking all things about how. The trade policy is impacting uh, businesses all around the country, plus uh, the new CBD trend. How are CBD regulations trickling down into small businesses? Panel stays much more on policy and politics. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Anybody going to the Nats game tonight? I was going to go, but I'm not going to lie. The weather. The weather. Mm. Not looking too uh, too good. It was a busy weekend. White House correspondence dinner. Congress is in recess. They're back. Tomorrow, President Trump meets with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi at the White House. They're talking infrastructure. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, as well as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they're going to Beijing, Beijing, to continue the U.S.-China trade talks. And really, it's interesting because Secretary Mnuchin gave an interview to the New York Times. Isn't that the New York Times, the secretary, giving an interview to the New York Times over the weekend and saying that they're on their final lap, the final lap in the U.S.-China trade talks. We're talking about the policy and the politics of it, but how does it impact small businesses? Let's go there. We've got Alex Wayne. He's Bloomberg News White House editor. He's with us in studio. Neve Ellis covers budget and appropriations for the Hill newspaper. He's also a former reporter for the Jerusalem Post. And Gregory Zamfotis. Remember his name. He's the founder and CEO of Gregory's Coffee. You've seen their coffee all over Washington, D.C. Greg, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And you're based, you're headquartered in New York, but D.C. now is your second headquarters. Yeah, HQ2. I don't know. Amazon <laughs> coined that. You know, I, I got here, I think, uh, a little bit before they made their announcement. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're super psyched to be down here. So you and I were talking in the break about how the U.S.-China trade talks, we, when we talk about it for our audience, it's so top-line view. How is it impacting Wall Street and whatnot? But it impacts the cup, the, the paper, which you use to make cups, and it's impacted your business. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, that was a fun call when I was speaking with my uh, my paper vendor. We do a lot of business, uh, and all the big production, uh, for a lot of folks like me, we get our product from China. And... Um, we were talking with him actually about trying to negotiate some price decreases for the next year because we've been just seeing so many mounting uh, price uh, cost increase for all of our other vendors. Um, and we were working on something, and then he said, Greg, I'm sorry, but uh, starting in November, any product that leaves China is going to be much more expensive for you. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, overall, it's going to be something like 10% uh, for me, which, you know, it's one of my main costs, uh, milk, coffee, paper, you know. So one of the big three for me, it kind of was not a fun um, – not a fun experience, so we had to deal absorb that, and you know, hopefully, the tariff goes away at some point, or something is is negotiated, so my prices can get back to where they should be. But um, yeah, it was a it was a tough. What's deal. what's that meant for the price of a cup of coffee? It's it's hard to say. I've had you know between some uh, labor increases, uh, rent goes up every year, um, paper goes up. It all kind of gets mixed in together, and I did. Um, like about a 2% price increase um, towards the end of last year to help uh, combat some of these rising uh, cost pressures that I've been facing at the store. Gregory, if, oh, go ahead. if tariffs went away, do you think you could 
cut prices for customers? Um, we there's been a few times where we have done that. We bounce back with some items. We were able to reduce prices after after the fact when we've kind of raised them because of something specific. Um, we probably do a bigger look at what's going on and other because it's just a constant thing that happens with us is more and more um, cost increase, and we always have to balance that out. So I would I would evaluate it and if it made sense, I would. Um, but that being said, I'd have to see what winds up happening. The, even my vendors don't always love the, the prices go up and then. You know, they love to say it's all about the tariff, and <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah, always, like, th- their their prices don't always yeah. bounce back down the way I would hope to either. So we'd have to see how that went. <laughs> Gregory Zanfotis is founder and CEO of Gregory's Coffee. They're all over New York now, increasingly in Washington D.C. We were talking about commodities, and when you look at the 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 coffee, the commodity of coffee, there's been overproduction in Brazil. That's right. So how has that impacted? what's going on here in, in your market and, and from a business perspective. But how have the geopolitics in Brazil really played a role in the coffee industry? Everybody drinks coffee. Yeah. I mean, Brazil is a really interesting place. Um, so they produce, I mean, most specialty coffee companies like myself or most coffee that you're drinking these days is uh, the Arabica bl- type of coffee, right? Um, what does that mean? So there's, there's different types of trees uh, that grow a cherry that – the seed of that cherry right. is your coffee bean, right? Uh, and the, there's uh, different families of this, the plant, and there's like a Robusta version variety, and then there's uh, Arabica as well. So Arabica is typically associated with more high quality. Robusta is more like what you would find in like a Folgers or Maxwell right. House. Um, and so uh, the, the leading producer of Arabica is Brazil. They produce more than like the next three or four countries combined Um and, you know, it's heavily funded by the or supported by the government down there. So and it also just happens to be vast, easily farmed and tons of money uh, helping them develop better, better technology to, to to produce this coffee. So you're seeing just crazy amounts of production as, you know, people are trying to combat the, the changing in the climate and they're worried about. What's gonna? How is that gonna affect um, production of the coffee? Well, Brazil just keeps throwing more and more money at this, and they overproduce by something like four million bags of coffee each four bag. Four million bags. Each bag is like over two hundred pounds. You're talking like a crazy amount of overproduction. So it's just flooding the market with this coffee, um, and yeah, the market just reacts in this way where it's at historic lows right now. Uh, but it, do, I mean, it bounces up and down. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was it was almost two bucks. Now it's below a dollar. And you can see all that on the Bloomberg terminal. I mean, seriously, folks, this, this is not. I'm not even, I mean, listen, not, not even trying to get advertising here. I mean, you can literally track in real time these how these commodities are are being traded, not just on the overproduction value, but also on the notion of of these trade headlines. We always talk about soybeans, Alex, in particular, and how the agricultural sector has really impacted the soybean market. But look, look at the coffee beans. Speaking of coffee, the strongest coffee I ever had was in Vietnam with Alex Wayne when, when, uh, uh, when President Trump walked out of that meeting with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un. Neve Ellis covers all things budget and appropriations. We, we're talking with Gregory Zamfotis about the impact of trade policy on uh, small businesses, mid-sized businesses, and, and expansion and whatnot. From your reporting up on Capitol Hill, Earlier in the show, we were talking about how the president's chances on redrafting and getting through USMCA NAFTA 2.0 could be hindered with some withdrawal of Republican support. But when you hear from a business owner like Gregory Zamfotis about the impact this is having, 
I mean, this is real. This and, and Democrats and Republicans are hearing about this, no? Absolutely. And I think that that's why this China trade deal is really a make or break thing for Donald Trump, because steel and aluminum tariffs are significant, but $250 billion worth of import tariffs are huge from our biggest trading partner, you know, uh, or one of our biggest trading partners when it comes to goods. So that affects so many people, just like Greg, you know, yeah. in, in the economy, um, who are just running a business and it's a thing here, a thing there that it affects. So if he manages to get a deal and get it through, you'll see not only like, are, are people going to be doing better and small businesses doing better because there's a better deal in place, but also all of these tariffs are coming down, and that could really pave the way for the economic environment he wants for his re-election in 2020. Over, over the weekend, we were at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and one of the guests for Bloomberg was Congressman Denver Riggleman. He's a friend of the program. He's been on several times. He's, of course, a Republican from Virginia. And Alex, you were talking to him uh, about he, he also, his family owns a, uh, a distillery, and how, how the tariffs impact, I mean, he knows firsthand uh, how how the agricultural uh, things. And he's talked about this on this program. Uh, so he said that on the record where he has said about how these trade things, and he's come out against these tariffs as a result because he has that, that family perspective. We're wrapping it back into the beginning of the show, man. It's uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's hardly any Republicans outside of the, the white house who, who want to impose tariffs on our trade partners, especially Canada, Mexico. You know, I think there, there's some support for what's going on with China because I think a lot of, a lot of uh, lawmakers agree they've, that that relationship has been unfair, but yeah, it's, you know, the, the, the Trump is uh, Trump is acting alone on a lot of his trade policies. Gregory Zamfotis, founder and CEO of Gregory's Coffee. They've expanded. Gregory's Coffee has expanded into HQ2. No, we're not talking about Amazon. We're talking about HQ2 for Gregory's Coffee here in Washington, D.C. Okay, so I, I walk into Greg's Coffee the other week, and I'm looking at the menu, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is real healthy. They've got some healthy stuff. they got, like, chia seeds and, like, Gluten-free and... Quite a few chia seeds. Yeah, yeah lots of chia <laughs> seeds. And then I look up at the menu and, and I'm like, there's a CBD latte. A That's CBD. Right. So, okay, so what is CBD and why is it in a latte? And how has the CBD market just boomed as a result of the deregulatory policies on CBD in the past couple of years? I asked you a lot of questions. <laughs> I'll try and sift through that. Yeah, so um, we do offer CBD uh, as a, uh, an additive into our products. We have a, a product we call the hashtag CBD that we sell. It's a latte that comes as a, with CBD as one of the ingredients. And CBD really is an extract from the hemp, hemp plant. Uh, and the way that they're able to uh, manufacture this product, um, the, the thing that people worry about when they have either marijuana or hemp in certain ex instances is this THC, which is what causes... Are you going to uh, be high going into work with your latte? Right. Well, that's, that's, the, that's, what, that's what people think, uh, right? But they, the, the level of THC is so low that it does not uh, give you any of the psychosomatic or any of those side effects that you would normally associate with those products. But you get all the benefits that people associate with, with hemp or, or marijuana. All right. I want to continue this conversation on the Sound On Extra podcast. You can find it on iTunes on the Sound On page. We're going to talk all about CBD deregulation and how it's impacted businesses like Gregory's Coffee. Gregory Zamfotis, founder and CEO of Gregory's Coffee. I want to thank him as well as Neve Ellis. He covers all things budget and appropriations for the Hill. 
Hill. Reed is reporting at thehill.com. And, of course, Alex Wayne, the boss. Alex Wayne, Bloomberg News White House editor, as well as a special thanks to Catherine Trifoletti, managing editor at Washington Life magazine. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.